Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 3, verses 1 through 18. The story of John the Baptist. Hear these words of scripture. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of Iturea and Traconus, and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene. During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of the Lord came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the word of Isaiah the prophet. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight, the roadways smooth, and all people will see God's salvation. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The ax is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What should we do then, the crowd asked. John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with one who has none, and anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to, bap to be baptized. <clears throat> Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. Then some soldiers came to him, asked him, and what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering if their hearts, in their hearts, if John might possibly be the Messiah. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I, come. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Chuck. You did an excellent job with all those names at the beginning. <laughs> Last week, we learned about the birth of John the Baptist, and this week, we see why his birth was so very important. John's prophetic message prepared the way for the Messiah, for Jesus, as foretold by the prophet Isaiah. And it's with John that the redemptive events of Jesus, they actually begin with him. 
So although at first it seems strange to read a scripture such as this, where John is calling the crowd a brood of vipers, it's strange to read this scripture on a day when we're talking about joy. Really, in fact, this scripture is joyful. It gives us a glimpse into the ministry of Jesus, where God's salvation is for all people. And we are each called to bring God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And what can be more joy-filled than that? In the first four verses of today's scripture, it reminds us that God called John to a specific time and a specific place. And his cry from the wilderness, it declared that the iniquities and the injustices of the world would be righted. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The playing field would finally be even. And difficult roads would become easy. It says the crooked roads shall become straight and the rough ways smooth. In essence, the world as they knew it was about to change. Through the ushering in of forgiveness and justice for all people. Not just those who believed that they were chosen, but for all people. And then that's when we see this amazing line where John says to the crowds coming out that are coming out to be baptized by him, he looks at them and they're expecting baptism and to be saved from their sins, to be forgiven, for be, to be redeemed, to be washed from, uh, in white as snow. And he says to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? And then instantly we are given this picture of the crowds hurrying to be baptized in order to escape the coming judgment, scurrying like snakes, slithering to escape the dangers of fire. Yes, they were supposed to go and be baptized. They should do that. But John was questioning their motives behind doing so. Were they doing it simply to avoid condemnation? Or were they doing it because they truly wanted to repent? Did they truly want to turn towards God? So John challenges the crowds that day to bear fruits worthy of repentance telling them that just because they were descendants of Abraham, it didn't mean that they could live however they wanted. Because sometimes that's how God's covenant with Abraham was interpreted, that their promise of salvation as the chosen ones of God was, it was this assumed salvation. Their salvation was assured regardless of whether they lived by faith and practiced righteousness or not. And so John is proclaiming that that way of interpreting the the promise of Abraham is not true. It's not the ritual of baptism or the rite of birth that give someone faith, that demonstrates a true change. But that is done through righteousness, through repentance and a reformation of our hearts and our lives. But the crowds, they had been resting on their laurels 
for so long that they didn't know how to live out that way anymore. And so three different groups ask John, what should we do then? And so John offers some practical words of wisdom. To the big crowd, the main crowd, he says to them, share whatever you don't need. Share whatever you don't need for your own survival. Share it with others. And in this way, you are demonstrating concern for their well-being as well as concern for your own. And then to the tax collectors and to the soldiers, John said to refrain from exploiting their positions for personal gain and at the expense of others. He said, don't collect any more than you are required to. Don't extort money. So instead of accumulating, share with others what you have. Instead of being indifferent or selfish or greedy, show consideration and compassion. Instead of taking advantage and, and preying on the vulnerable, he's saying to be satisfied with what you have and to treat others fairly and with dignity, even if you work for the empire. John is saying, no matter what you do, show your love for God by radically living the commandment to love your neighbor as yourself with deeds of loving kindness. A week ago, this past Friday, we had to move out of our house so that all of our floors could be redone. Everything in the living room, in the family room, in the dining room, and the bedrooms, and the office, all had to be moved somewhere else. In the garage, in the basement, or in the pod that was in our driveway. We couldn't really stay there while this was happening either, because, well, we didn't have any beds, and the kitchen was stuffed with stuff. So we had to find somewhere else to go. But we couldn't go on vacation because, you know, the kids have school. Russ is kind of running a restaurant. And I don't know if you know this, but this is a busy season in the church, right? Okay. So I was thinking through and talking through the logistics of commuting from Cleveland, where we were going to rent a house, with a friend. And they said, well, why don't you just stay with us? We have a couple of extra rooms, and Hans gets along with our dog. Hans is our dog. And then another friend who was there said, and they conveniently live next to the first friend, and they said, yeah, I have an extra room too. We can have one big gigantic sleepover for a week. And it took much cajoling and, and convincing that we wouldn't be too much of a bother, and I finally agreed. And so my two kids, my husband, my dog, and me, and a whole bunch of our stuff moved in with friends for a week. And then one day, we're, so we moved in. It's a great time. We're working, and kids are going to school. I'm coming here to work. Russ is doing his thing and all that. The dogs are getting along great. And... 
I was waiting in the line at, in the McDonald's drive-thru because some days you just need french fries and a Diet Coke to get you through life. And <laughs> clapping, yes. And I was sitting there in the drive-thru in my car and I was overcome with gratitude and I just started to cry as I recognized what these people had done. That they had made space for us in their homes and in their lives. Even though they have their own lives and they have their own things going on. And they didn't have to do that. We could have made the commuting from Cleveland work. It would have been fine. But they chose to extend grace, to extend compassion, and extend God's love to us in that way. Now most of us are not tax collectors and soldiers like in today's story. And so we're not skimming from the top or extorting others. That Those are clear. Don't do those things, but be nice to people and don't take more than you should. But even though we're not in that position of a tax collector or a soldier like that, these words of John the Baptist still apply to us. Because if people, if all people are to see God's salvation, like it says in Isaiah, in today's scripture, then we need to be aware of how we can be the hands and feet of God. How our own greed, our own selfishness, like the soldiers and the the tax collectors in this story, how those things are keeping us from being the hands and feet of God. And as I was reflecting on this, I, I wonder if maybe one of the ways that our greed and our selfishness manifests in our lives is by the lack of margin in our lives. Now, I don't know about you, but so often it feels like we have filled our lives so much to the point where there isn't room for anything else. And so if someone comes along and they ask for something, and they need something, our first thought is, oh, I, I don't have time for that. Or, I'm sorry, I can't help with that because I have these plans. Or, all of my income is spoken for, for the month. I, I can't. And sometimes this is legitimately true. Sometimes we do not have the ability to give anymore. But then other times, we can use that as an excuse to enable our own indulgences and comfort to say, oh, I just can't. Because we, we choose not to leave the margin, the space in our lives so that God can move in and through us. Having a home for all in God means making space for all in God's kingdom scooting over in the pew, so maybe you're not sitting in your exact spot. Having an extra five minutes to talk to a stranger who just seems to be having a rough day and needs someone to show they care and to, to lend a listening ear. Or maybe it's giving five or eight dollars, a little bit extra to someone in need. Someone who doesn't have food or a home of their own, giving that through the work of a charity or a church. 
Having a home for all means making space for, making margin for God to work in our lives. This scripture reminds us, Jenny reminded us with joy this morning in the children's moment that we each have a part to play in the salvation story of the world. Looking to others, filling in the valleys, leveling the mountains, smoothing and straightening the roads, righting the wrongs and sharing God's love with everyone we meet. That is our work to do. And we can do that if we have margin, if we leave that little bit of space for God to work. So what should we do then? Just as the crowds asked John, well, let us live a life that reflects a genuine love for God and for all of God's created by clothing the naked, feeding the hungry, giving voice to the silenced and the oppressed, speaking truth to power, and protecting and empowering the vulnerable by leaving space for God to breathe in us and through us. This Advent, I pray that we might leave space in our homes and in our hearts so that God might work, so that all of God's children in this world might know the joy that comes in the Christ child. That sounds like good and joyful work to me. Glory to God. Amen. I invite you as we prepare our hearts for prayer with this next song, that those who are joining us online, please share any joys or concerns you have in the comments on Facebook or at prayer at brexelumc.com. And I invite everyone to please stand in body or in spirit as we sing this next song. Got it. 
of your promise. You don't speak in vain, no syllable empty or void. For once you have spoken on nature and science, follow the sound of your Let me 
this morning. Kathy asked for prayers um, for the success of her procedure this Wednesday, and the Fesslers asked for prayers for the victims of the tornadoes in Kentucky and Tennessee, Missouri, Arkansas, and Illinois. Yes, multiple prayers for that. Craig asked for prayers for Ryan and Sarah, whose aunt died, passed away on Monday, their father, who is a co-worker of Craig's, passed away on Tuesday, and then their mother passed away on Friday, all due to COVID. I, yeah, which is just awful. Prayers for, um, Sharon asked for prayers for a dear friend who is facing a cancer diagnosis, um, and Christy, um, says, good morning, church family, prayers for those affected by the tornadoes. Those are both um, online. And then I do want to add, uh, Chuck asked for prayers for John, who is on a respirator with COVID. Um, and then also prayers for the sale of a family home and healing between siblings. And, I, and um, prayers um, for doctors and nurses, for hospital staff as we know they are inundated with COVID as well as tragedies and trauma and everything right now. Um, so prayers for, for strength and, and endurance um, and comfort for them. And then Janet says, uh, raises a prayer of joyful gratitude for the support she has received from her church family as she deals with current health challenges. She is grateful for the many cards and notes and emails and prayers from, she says, my loving and supportive church family. And then I also want to um, say a shout out, a happy birthday to two 12-year-olds. Um, one is my son, Joseph, who turned 12 on Friday, which makes me feel very old. Um, I don't know if you feel the same. Okay, and then uh, um, a, a young man who had turned 12 yesterday as well. Um, so prayers for the teenage years ahead. It's going to be an adventure. I, I do love teenagers. They're fun. We know that God hears our prayers, our, our joys and celebrations, as well as those tragedies and, and heartache and, and hurt that we experience as well. So let us go to our Lord in prayer. 
God of open doors and porch lights, of welcome mats and candles in the window, we cannot thank you enough for your open door policy. You are forever welcoming us home just as we are, even if and no matter what. God, you remind us that there is enough love to go around and that neighbor helping neighbor is who we are called to be. Thank you for the joy, the voice in the wilderness that calls to us. Thank you for the radical welcome and the unchanging love. Today, God, we give extra gratitude for those people and those places that are home to us. And we also pray for those who are without a home. We pray for immigrants and refugees navigating the waters of trauma and change and loss, those who have lost their home in the tornadoes, those who experience homelessness and those who are scraping together every coin to pay last month's rent. God, we pray for those who do not feel at home in their body. And God, we pray for those who do not feel at home in your church, who have been wounded by strict rules or judgmental accusations. God, we long to build a home together. We long to build a home with you. There are so many who need a home. Let us be the builders of that new day. Give us courage that we can walk forward clearly into the world that you have called us, the kingdom that you have called us to live into with conviction and with courage to change for your good. As we learn and as we continue to grow, God, we pray the words that your son taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As we leave here today, I do want to give us some action steps of how we can create home and invite people into our home for this Christmas and Advent season. We have our Advent prayer stations, which are available in the the, the chapel right now, and they are open for you to go and pray through whenever the church is open, which is basically from 8 o'clock in the morning until 9 o'clock at night during the week and all day on Sunday as well. And then this coming Friday is the live kids nativity out here on the front lawn, and everyone is invited to come to celebrate with the kids and to participate in this um, retelling of, and sharing of the Christmas story. 
And then next Sunday, the 19th, is an, an excellent opportunity to invite friends and, and family and neighbors to come and worship with us as the choir has been working very hard on a cantata to celebrate this Christmas season and tell us the Christmas story. And so that will be at the 8.30 and the 10 o'clock services next week. And then for Christmas Eve, we have many opportunities to worship together as well. We have the 3 o'clock acoustic service, the 5 o'clock crazy kid family fun service, that's what I'll call it. And it's, oh my gosh, the kids are putting together this video and it's going to be, it's going to be so good. You're going to want to watch it. You're, go, you're just, you're going to want to see it. It's, I'm so excited. Anyway, I'm getting distracted because it's really cute. Eight o'clock is our service with strings and the choir and then 10 o'clock is a service with the um, organ and celebration of Holy Communion. And we would love for you to celebrate with us. Let us know when you're coming so we can plan for you. We have worship here in the sanctuary as well as in the fellowship hall is going to be a beautiful and fun space at our 5 o'clock and 8 o'clock services. And if you are joining us online, please um, let us know and we can send you a silent night kit that has a candle so you can sing with us and light the light of Christ with us as we sing Silent Night together on Christmas Eve. And then we're also going to have Christmas tacos, which is my family tradition that I, we're sharing with um, the church family. And it will be about six o'clock on Christmas Eve down in Fellowship Hall. So if you come on Christmas Eve and it smells like Mexican food, that's why. But it's a fun time to come between the services and, and celebrate. And also, if you would like to serve on Christmas Eve, we could use all of the ushers in the whole world. So please um, call the, the church office and sign up to help usher for that. All of this is on the website, social media, in the bulletin, as well as our link tree, which is an easy click, and then it gives you all the things from the church and know that these are the ways that we are helping you and empowering you to share the love of God in this world at this time. So now with that, let us receive the benediction. Know that as you leave this service, your service begins. Go and comfort the homesick. Open your doors to others. Seek sanctuary. Be brave enough to go home by another way. And remember that here in God's house, all are welcome. So come back soon. In the, the name of our foundation, God, Spirit, and Son, go in peace and not in pieces. Amen.
I was. Thank you.